0: Let's get right into our scripture today, Acts chapter 26. Here's God, he's speaking to the church, and he says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The part of that scripture I really want you to get is God wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our eyes in order to turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. How many's found out that when you got saved, God immediately took a lot of stuff away? How many's found out it didn't all go away? Amen, there's still some conflict, there's still some struggles there. But Genesis says, chapter two, and the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will what? Surely die. Now God said, I wanna open our eyes that we can see. I wanna open our hearts that we can receive the light of the truth of the gospel. But then he speaks to man in the garden and he says, of everything that I've given you, you can eat, but of this one tree, you don't eat of it, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, now, what was the trouble there? The reason of that was up until that point, man only knew good. But now if he eats of this tree of knowledge of good and evil in Judaism, the tree of knowledge represents a mixture of good and evil. And so when God said, you don't eat of this tree, the reason God was saying, I don't want you to eat of this tree, is that now you will no longer be one dealing with just good, now you're gonna be in a warfare between good and evil. And how many knows that that's where the church and where society is today? Isaiah the prophet declared, woe to those who call good evil good and good evil. And put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He says, woe to that person. And you see, Satan's plan of attack today has been a deadly mixture. Satan's whole plan today is to bring a deadly mixture into your life. Though you're in church, though you're in the word, he wants to bring a deadly mixture that truth no longer prevails. But now we're going to be politically correct. Now we're going to love people to hell instead of loving them to heaven. Now we're going to tell people, no, it's okay, because I don't want to offend you. Every time I read this book, it offends me. It's showing something about me that's not right. It's telling me where I need to change and get better, and it helps me to get there. And God's saying, I I don't want this dangerous mixture, because really understanding that when we come to Jesus is so good, but then we realize that there's still a battle and a struggle going on. How many's found that out? And then all of a sudden, we spend the rest of our life in this struggle. And I want to talk to you about this today because life change comes through relationships, small group environment, getting to know each other, becoming accountable to each other. Today, we're going to register For our small groups, our new semester of small groups in 2017, we have 27 small groups this semester. Come on, give our small group leaders a hand. That's exciting to me, and there's three reasons that we want you to connect with a small group this semester. Register right after service out in 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 the yard. The tents are set up. Go by and join a small group this semester, even if you don't feel like it. Why? Number one, a small group is a place to connect. A small group is a place to connect with other people that have same passions as you. I grew up in church. I've grown up in ministry. And and we built the church on big events, big events, big events. And we got a lot of people in the church and we got them to come and hear what we had to say, but it's a proven fact. 87% of people in the church spend their entire Christian life trying to feel good enough to be saved. And they never reach their potential and purpose in God because they spend their whole life trying to get free from themselves. And a small group is a place that you can connect with people in a small setting, and it is there that you find the freedom that you need in your life. Everyone look at me today. All it takes to be saved and get to heaven is Jesus. Everybody agree with that? All it takes is Jesus. To stay saved and live victorious on this earth you need some right people in your life. It's going to require more than Jesus to keep you saved on this earth. And Jesus set it up that way. He said there's an importance and a value in relationships. Number two, small groups is a place to protect. It's a place that God wants to protect you. Safety's not in the crowd. Safety's when you have the right people in your world. Can I hear an amen on that? Safety's not in the crowd. Safety's when you have the right people around you. How many's had those folks say, "Don't worry about it, bro. I got your back." Well, yeah, you're so far back, I can't find you. You you need some right people in your world that's going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, because they love you. Number three, small groups is a place to grow. It's a place to grow. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, but it only sharpens it if you rub it the wrong way against the grain, and you need some right people in your world that's going to rub you the wrong way when you need to be rubbed the wrong way. They're not going to agree with you when you're failing. They're not going to agree with you when you're messing up. They're going to love you and pick you up. How many is glad you got some people in your world that's not going to help you fail? They're going to help you succeed. And you need some people in your world that's going to help you grow. Iron sharpens iron. And so I want to encourage you today, immediately after service, go out to the tents. Look at the 27 small groups. They're for men. They're for women. They're for marriage. They're for Bible study. They're for fitness. They're for youth. They're for adults. They're all over the board. I'm sure there's a shopping one in there somewhere because my wife's still here today, all right? And so get out there, have a lot of fun, and let's build relationships together. But what about fresh vision? As we grow as a church, and we grow in relationship, and we grow in purpose, and that comes through these small groups. But Jeremiah 29, my favorite verse, we use it here often, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you and not harm you. How many will take a year like that? have plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And every year we have a theme that all the series will cover throughout that year. And God really spoke to us this year and our theme at Transformation Church and all the messages we're gonna preach is one word and it's called wholeness. That we believe that God wants to bring wholeness to his body. He wants to bring completeness. How many is ready for a year to get rid of some stuff and become well and whole spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, that God wants us to be whole. And as we look at this, I wanna share with you three things because as you pursue fresh vision, as you pursue to go ahead, as you pursue to go into new territory, there's three things that you're gonna to have to realize and three things that, that you're gonna to have to press forward and press on even when you feel these things come against you. Because how many knows the devil will sit back and rest when you're going nowhere, but when you start getting visionary and you start becoming one that's going, I'm going somewhere, and you start declaring in your heart, we're going to accomplish something great for the kingdom of God. How many believes God's called this church to do something amazing in his kingdom, that God's put a definite Thumbprint upon us to be different, not better than anybody else, but different than some places to say that we're going to reach out to all people from all walks of life with the truth of the gospel, with the grace of Jesus, and we're going to watch Jesus transform many lives. How many believes? that's a mandate that's upon this church? And when you begin to move forward in vision, you've got to understand, you've got to keep going forward, number one, when you feel outnumbered. When you feel outnumbered, because you will never have enough to do what God calls you to do. You will never see enough. You will never feel like you have enough. You will never feel like you're capable that, that you've got. I, I deal with it every week as a pastor that, God, I see what you're calling this church to do, and, and I see how many people that we've got, and there's no way that this number of people can do what I'm seeing you calling us to do, but we can't quit. We got to realize that God doesn't need the numbers. He needs the right people. And, and when you stretch out and you become a visionary and you begin to press forward into supernatural things, you will always appear to be outnumbered. Romans eight thirty one. if God be before us, who can be against us? And Gideon was one of those people that was like that. The Bible said that the armies came against Gideon and they were so large, so many, they were without number and God speaks to Gideon, and he tells Gideon, get your army ready, Gideon. We're gonna go out, and we're gonna defeat the enemy. And Gideon cries out to God, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? The Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. How many ever felt that way? Like, God, where are you? And man, you've handed me over to the enemy. I don't see victory in this. And Gideon is so outnumbered by the armies of the enemy, and God speaks to Gideon, and Gideon says, God, look at them, and I've got an army of 32,000 people. And God says, you got way too many. Gideon's going, wait, 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 wait. Maybe you didn't understand what I said. We're already so vastly outnumbered. And God says, no, you've got too many. He said, I want you to go down to that 32,000 and tell All of them, if any of you are afraid and you're not ready to go to battle, go home. 22,000 did. 22,000 went home, left him with 10,000. Now he's really having a conversation with God. And then God has the nerve to say, oh, by the way, you still have too many. And and he tells Gideon, tell your soldiers to go down to the water, go down to the river, and and I want them to laugh. And he said, tell them and watch them. And he said, every soldier... That, that puts their sword down and their spear down and their shield down and they put their face in the water, I want you to send them home because they're not ready for this battle because they just took their eyes off of the enemy to satisfy their own need. But to every soldier that keeps his, whole, his, his spear in his hand and his eyes on the enemy and he laps up water, he's ready for this battle. You keep him. 7,700 put their face in the water, 300 laps. So his army's going from 32,000 to 300, and God says, now we're at pretty good odds. Gideon's freaking out. God says, I got a plan, though. I don't need that many. I just need your obedience and your trust, and he tells them, I want you to get a trumpet in every man's hand, and I've got a pitcher with a light in it, a torch, and we're going to cover it, and he broke them into three different groups, and they surrounded the enemy, And on the signal from heaven, they began to blow those trumpets and shout, and they broke those pitchers. And the armies of the enemy, though they were vastly outnumbering Gideon's army, they began to turn around and there was confusion. And instead of killing Gideon's army, they began to kill each other. And the army of God won with just 300 people, but they were obedient and they were faithful to the call of God, even to the point of death. And they never had to throw a spear at the enemy because God fought their battle. And can I tell you today, that it's not how many do we have, it's how many are willing to say yes to the call. Yes to the call of God. And if God gets enough of us saying yes, he'll stick us in our positions And we'll defeat the enemy that's trying to destroy the families of this community and we'll watch God bring revival, change lives, change homes, change marriages and change our city for the glory of God. Number two, you gotta keep pressing forward when you feel overpowered. You feel overpowered. Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You see, that there was a, the Israelites were on their way to Canaan land, the promised land. How many's got some promises in your life? Come on, how many's got some things you know God's promised you that hadn't happened yet? Come on, nine of us? How many in here has got some promises that you know God's spoken to your heart, but they haven't come to pass yet? Well, that, that was the Israelites, and God had promised them Canaan, but there was a city on the way called Jericho that they had to get through in order to get to the promised land. And God said, I'm going to give you Jericho. And he gave him a plan. And he said, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. He said, I want you to march around that wall seven times. One day, every day, I want you to march around it. And then on that seventh day, you're going to go around it seven times. And here's the whole key about that. There's a study in the Bible called topology, the study of numbers. And every day had a reason. And I want to tell you every day of your life that you stay Faithful and you stay true to the task, and you don't take your hands off the plow, and you know God's put a promise in your heart, and you know God's put a vision in your spirit, and you know God's called you to do something great. You just got to keep on marching when you don't see anything happen because for six days they marched and saw absolutely nothing. But God said on day one, I want you to march around that wall because the number one in the Bible is the number of God. And he said today, I just want you to do it for me. I don't need seven times to do anything, I just need one. March around that wall, day one for me. Day two is the number of witness in the Bible. God said, I want you to walk around that wall. You're not going to see anything happen yet, but I'm about to bear witness in your spirit of what I'm about to do here at Jericho. You just stay faithful to my promise. You stay faithful to what I put into your heart because it's going to come to pass. Day three came. Three in the Bible is the number of the Trinity. God said, you keep marching around that dream. You keep marching around that vision because though you haven't seen it happen, it's going to come to pass past. He said, because number three is the Trinity. God the Father is involved. Christ is going to do his work, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower you for it. You just keep marching. You just keep believing. I've got the Trinity of heaven on your side, and he's working on your behalf. He said, then when you get to day four, number four in the Bible is the number of the earth. There's four corners of the earth, four basic colors of the earth, four seasons of the earth. And God said, guess what? When you march around on that fourth day, you haven't seen anything happen yet your faith is starting to dwindle. You're starting to wonder. He said, but in the hour that you think nothing's happening the most, I've got the attention of the four corners of the earth that are watching you because I'm about to do something supernatural in the midst of my people that are putting their faith and their trust in me. And can I tell you, in this little building right here, which is a big building to us, but compared to heaven, it's not that large. God has the four corners of the earth watching this house. He's got people watching us, following us, seeing what we're going to do, helping them to understand to reach people from all cultures. I had two pastors meet with me in in Texas this week and asked me to come to their church and meet with their staff and help them create a multicultural environment. I said, you can't create it. You've got to live it. It's got to be in your spirit. It's an outward manifestation of who you are. You can't create a program to reach a black or Hispanic. You've got to love people for who they are because of Christ alive in you, but God said, you keep marching, you keep marching, and I'm telling some of you right now that you thought God forgot you, you thought the eyes of heaven was off of you, but God said, no, 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 they're still there, but not only are my eyes on you, there's a multitude of people watching you. Day five came, five in the Bible is the number of grace, because about day five, we start losing our faith, don't we? I said, about day five, complaint starts coming up. Number five in the Bible is the number of grace. Anytime you see grace in the Bible, you'll see five connected to it. Because God said about that time, the Israelites are going, I don't know about this Joshua guy. I think pastor missed it. And they start murmuring, God said on day five, you need some grace because my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Day six came, six the number of man. One six is an economic leader. Two six is a political leader. Three six is a religious leader. Six, six, six. God said on day six, that flesh starts rising up. That man starts going, I quit. I ain't doing this no more. I'm done. Come on, anybody besides me guilty? And you're one day away from your breakthrough. One day away from your miracles when that flesh comes up so strong and so powerful that says, I'm done. I'm through with this marriage. I'm through with this ministry. I'm through with this church. I'm through with this. I'm done. I quit. I quit. God says, because you're one step away from day seven. Because on day seven, it means it's the day of fulfillment. It can't get worse. It can only get better. Come on, somebody help me in here. God's saying, I've got a plan for you. I've got something so amazing for you, church. I've got something so amazing for your marriage. I've got something so amazing for your ministry. I've got something so amazing for your business. I've got something so amazing. You can't even comprehend it, but you got to keep walking. You can't give up. You may feel outnumbered. You may feel overpowered, but you got to keep on walking. Because on day seven, he told them, I want you to get the priests ready. They're going to get the ram's horn. They're going to get the silver trumpet. The ram's horn represents the power of the animal. Animal, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, get the silver trumpet. It represents redemption. When a man in the Old Testament made atonement for his sins, he would bring a half a shekel of silver. And God said, I want you to get the silver trumpet of redemption. Get the ram's horn of the power of the Holy Spirit and get ready to make some noise in this house. And God told Joshua at the sound and the signal, I want you to tell them to blow that ram's horn representing power in the Holy Spirit. Tell them to blow that silver trumpet representing redemption. Redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, when they begin to shout with a voice of triumph, blowing the horn of redemption and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said the walls begin to cave down into the ground and their victory came in a moment when they least expected it. It did not come through their power. It did not come through their ability. It came through their understanding that it's all found in the redemption and in the power of the God that we serve and we declare every day of our life and he's got victory waiting for you if you'll keep walking he's got something amazing for this church we just got to keep walking don't stop, don't quit don't give up last of all, you got to keep going when you're under resourced when you're under resourced because you'll never have enough to do what God's called you to do He's always gonna put us to the place of trusting him and believing in him. Believe me, when we came in this building, we had no clue, no clue of what, how much damage was done to this building and what we've had to do to get it fixed up and what it's cost to do that. But we just keep trusting God and sowing and God just keeps blessing and giving us what we need. But Philippians said, my God shall supply your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many has been there where you didn't have enough? You had the vision, you had the heart, you had the desire, but you didn't have the resources. The Bible tells us a story real quick of a little lady in the Bible and she had an issue of blood. For 12 years, her body bled. The Bible said profusely, she bled. She was sick. The Bible says she spent every dollar she had. She had no resources left. Nothing left that she could depend on. She's gonna die now. But in the, in the scripture in the Old Testament, when a woman was in her cycle and, and, and that's where she was, but it would not stop, she's declared unclean. She's unclean, she, she can't touch anyone. No one can even come into her house. She can't cook because everything she touched was unclean. She couldn't even wash the clothes of her home because they would be unclean because she touched them. She's no resources left. She's desperate but she heard Jesus had come to town. And she went to meet him, but there was a crowd between her and him, and how could she ever get to him? But she said in the scripture, she knew that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, he don't have to give me a a, a counseling session, he he doesn't even have to recognize me, but I'm at a point that I have no resources left that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, so, how did she get to Jesus? And I, I, I had to ask that one day. I was in prayer and I said, Father, how, how did she get through that crowd? She's weak. She's frail. She's already tired and worn out and her body's worn. How did she get to him? And, and this, it just the Holy Spirit began to let me see that little lady behind that crowd. And she's pressing in and she's tired and she's weak and she's trying to get to Jesus. But somebody in that crowd turned around and noticed her and they began to scream, Unclean! Unclean. People begin to move. Unclean, unclean, unclean. And they continued to move until people got out of her way and made a path that she could get to the feet of Jesus. And the very thing in her life that caused others to disqualify is the very thing that got her to the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I'm telling you today, the very thing in your life that you feel like is disqualifying you, your finances, your health, your ability, all the stuff that you're throwing up at God that I can't do it because I don't have enough. Everything about you that's disqualifying you in your mind and in the minds of others is the very thing that's gonna get you at the feet of Jesus and you're gonna find your miracle and you're gonna get the resources that you need. In Jesus' name. It was amazing. It was just weeks ago and I've got to quit. Weeks ago I was here, I came in this building and I began to cry and pray over the special needs. And I said, God, you put this in our heart. I know it's you. And there's 55,000 people in this city that have no church to go to. And if you will help us, we will reach every one of them. We will go to every one of them and reach them with the hope of Jesus. Three days later, I get a call from a nurse. She's sitting in this building right now and says, the doctor I'm working for is wanting to know about this thing. And they've put together a coalition and they're already committed to providing every medical piece of equipment we need in this building to take care of the special. That's tens of thousands of dollars. They're going to cater an open house that we're going to have here. And invite all fifty-five thousand people in this city is going to get an invite to come through this open house and see a church that will welcome you as a family of a special needs. And God's putting it all together, but somewhere you got to stop telling God why you can't get there and start declaring that though I have nothing in myself, in you there's all the resources that I need, and I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you, and I'm going to watch you do something powerful. And so as we move into this new year, I wanna challenge you in your vision. Don't let the the numbers mess with your head. Don't don't let the resources mess with our head because if God called us, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it for you. You see, we've gotta come and realize today, I've never had enough money. I've never had enough support. I've never had enough opportunity. I've never had enough information. I've never had enough confidence. I've never had enough time. But I've had plenty of excuses. I've had plenty of enemies, plenty of obstacles, plenty of fears, plenty of failures, plenty of mistakes, plenty of reasons to quit. But God wants to know if you and I will just strike a match. When we strike a match, we'll create a flicker. A flicker becomes a flame. A flame becomes a light. A light becomes a torch, a torch becomes a floodlight, a floodlight becomes a lighthouse, and a lighthouse becomes a focus that every broken and hurt person in this community and city can know there's a place of refuge that they can come and they can find the healing and the joy that Jesus so desperately wants to bring into their heart and into their life. Question today is, who's ready to march around this wall with me? Anybody in this house ready? to watch God do the most amazing things he's ever done in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Together we can do it. The scripture said in closing in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How me receive God's word today. Let's go do it in Jesus name. Father, I thank you today God that you're faithful to your word. You're faithful to every promise. And today, Father, I pray that you open our hearts and our eyes and our spirits, Father, that we begin to see again, that we begin to know that you're speaking into our hearts again. I pray, God, that you open hearts that have been shut down, God, that circumstances and situations and misunderstandings and hurts and even offenses or whatever, God, that have come, Lord, and we've shut our heart down. I pray, God, that you open hearts today. You open spirits today, God, and you let us dream again. You let us see vision again. God, you let us go forward again. And together, we're gonna to accomplish amazing things in your kingdom through you and because of you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today and I'm ready for a new year in my life and I'm ready for a new season in my life, but I know right now the first thing I need to do is just get right with God. I just need to say yes to God and let God know that I need him to be first in my life, foremost above everything, I need Jesus today. Pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you sit? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You see, that's me today. The first thing I need to do this year is just say yes to God. I need God in my life, Pastor. Pray for me. Anyone else? Very quickly. You see, that's me today, Pastor. Pray for me today. God bless you. I wanna pray this prayer with you. If you raised your hand or you did not and you mean it in your heart, maybe you're on live stream and you need to pray with us, pray with us now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess and believe that I can receive you. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and listen.